Handle on the News. Handle on the News. Bill Handel. I think you're a really smart guy, and you've done a lot of good. Some of the things that you've been able to do are magical. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right, now it's Wednesday. Pump day, uh, April 18th. Handel and uh, the morning crew. Morning, Jennifer. Hello, Handel. And there's Wayne Resnick. Good morning. And uh, the lovely Alex. Morning. Morning, and the even lovelier John Ramirez. Altar boy. Wish he could still be one. Were you ever an altar boy, by the way? I was. Uh, wow, what a shocker. Middle school. Were you? Yeah. A lot of those, do you sneak in a lot of those wafers and put cheese whiz on them? No. No. All right. Just wondering. All right. Uh, a couple of, uh, oh, do I have a major story for you? First of all, we have some minor stories. Barbara Bush is dead. Uh, Southwest uh, airplane uh, first fatality in history, Southwest, the plane explodes and uh, creates shrapnel. Uh, tax day is extended to today because the IRS, uh, the computer crashed. But here's the big news. New coffee company today. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. New coffee company coming in today. Oh, big news. What's the scuttlebutt on why... The old coffee company is the old coffee company. You know what? I don't want to disparage. I certainly don't want to malign or defame. They sucked! (laughs) Anything else? Any other questions? Well, the only thing I did notice is there are new coffee cups in there that don't don't fit. Well, that's because today we are getting, I think, a new machine. Okay. Keo said uh, today they're upgrading the, the machine. Incidentally, in my office, I love this coffee. I mean, I'm crazy about this coffee. So I have a home version of this coffee. And in my office, I have that version. I mean, the very machine oh. you have. Oh, yeah, I'm nuts. I mean, I love Flavia Can we coffee. start going into your office? No, no, oh, okay. no. Actually, yes, because your door is open and you have to be on the air. <gasps> Oh, and no, no. You will never no, know. I'm not. I'm talking about my office. Uh, oh, the uh, service my center. My service office oh. where I have that machine. Yeah, once we got, once we, we, once we got that machine, the big one, I gave up my little home version. I never knew it was in there in the first place. It was for years and years and years and years. All right, guys. Uh, enough of that. Uh, let's do it. Lead story. And it seems to me you lived your died at uh, the age of 92. What an extraordinary, extraordinary woman. And uh, we're going to do a lot more uh, about her and her background at 8 o'clock. And she, one of my very, very favorite interviews in all the years that I broadcast was when I interviewed Barbara Bush. And she said something that as much as I admired her before that, uh, I totally fell in love with her. Was she funny? Because she was funny. She was. It was a. It was a, a statement that she made during the course of the interview, which I'm going to share with you at eight o'clock, uh, and it says everything about Barbara Bush literally in one sentence, and that's coming up at eight. How's that for a tease? Nice. All right. So uh, this just terrifying story on this Southwest 737. One woman almost sucked out of the plane and ends up dying. So the jetliner apparently blows an engine, and then the shrapnel from it ends up going through the window, 
hits the woman, knocks her out. She, at that same time, is getting sucked out the window. I mean, imagine this. So passengers, as this woman's getting sucked out the window, jump on her, try and pull her back oh, in. It's, it's Blood everywhere. Terrible. Everybody thinks the plane's going down. Now, here's the thing that Alex Stone pointed out earlier. You don't have Wi-Fi on the plane unless you sign up for it. So people for like 15 minutes as the captains or as the pilots are trying to get this plane to land, people are trying to log into their Wi-Fi so they can send text messages to their loved ones saying like, I love you, I'm going to die. Well, you can also do it by cell phone. You don't need Wi-Fi because as a matter of fact, cell phones work great on airplanes. Well, you're not supposed to have them. Uh, well, does it matter? <laughs> no, I but, mean, at that point, but, does it matter? But imagine that, though. You either are helping this woman who is bleeding oh, yeah, and dying crazy. right in front of you. You've got your oxygen mask on. Or you're in the back. Uh, you don't really know what's uh, going on. And you think you're going to die. couple things uh, is that uh, I'm assuming she was not belted in uh, as if she's flying out the window or actually being sucked out the window. Maybe because it was just, uh, I'm trying to figure out. part of her, maybe. Yeah, trying to figure yeah. out. and. Uh, she there was blood on the window from what I heard, and uh, she, uh, I, I guess it was a shrapnel that hit her in the head that yeah. killed her. It had to be. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the, we we heard about you know people being sucked out. You know, I'm thinking, oh, doctor, no. Uh, that's that was the movie where uh, you know just sucked out with a coin, I think, or a little tiny knife. Right. right. The windows are literally half an inch thick. Uh, but it's one of those. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Ever. I know that there was on the Hawaiian airline flight. Oh, back that, in the 80s. Yes, yeah. that the top literally ripped, ripped off. off. And I think yeah. that was a 737 also, uh, if memory serves. And it, most people were, in fact, belted in. But there was, I think, one uh, server flight attendant, uh, a woman, because she was a, a, a waitress. In those days, uh, they were, hey, waitress, I need some drinks. But that was a long time ago. She was rolling her cart down, sucked right out, and uh, was, I mean, that's that's terrible. Anyway, so Southwest Airlines, which had an exemplary record, and now the issue becomes, uh, is it Southwest's fault because of no maintenance, although they're saying on Sunday the plane was inspected, but did they inspect the blades? Because they think the entire issue is with those turbine blades yeah, that, that it go kicked one blade out. Hundreds of thousands of revolutions per uh, per minute. This particular plane had forty thousand flights. All right, but they so some of them go a lot longer than that. I think it was seventeen years old. Uh, if I'm not right. mistaken, right. but they say yeah, that we're, yeah, we're going to take a break. We actually have to do more stories uh, when we come back. Uh, your chance to win a thousand dollars. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have a toothache. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-640-SMILE. Okay, Jennifer. Handle the morning crew. Here's your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. They notify the winner by calling them. You have to pick up that call. Joyce and Artesia did, and she is $1,000 richer. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, uh, back we go as we do more handle on the news. Uh, The big story that we're covering, of course, or a lot of them, Barbara Bush is dead. Uh, The Southwest plane uh, that's uh, a fascinating story. Alex Stone is joining us as to the technical ones, uh, technical uh, reasons. It's it's sort of up in the air as to what, so to speak. It's up in the air as to what happened. 
right. With uh, U.S. Airways, it was easy, right? Uh, Sullenberger goes through a flock of geese, hit the engine, engine goes, both engines go, uh, goose pate happens instantly, and uh, plane is dead. This one, they have no idea. So we'll talk at uh, 7 o'clock. All right, a story right out of here at the IKEA. Yeah, it started as a complaint about a car being parked where it shouldn't be, and now it's a triple homicide investigation. Basically, someone called the cops and said, hey, this car, and uh, so a parking control officer shows up and sees somebody in the car that looks dead. So the paramedics come, and there's two more people inside this vehicle that are dead, and they're trying to figure out what happened, but they're treating it as a homicide. And it does kind of match. There are three guys who have been missing uh, who were coming from Bakersfield on their way to Riverside, and they haven't been seen in a few days. So they're trying to see if maybe the three people who are missing right. are the three people who are dead in this vehicle. And it's just down the street, the Ikea and the Home Depot, just straight down Olive. And uh, there it is. And I've been to that Ikea many times for lunch. You know, those meatballs with the lingonberry uh, sauce, very strong. Okay. Well, you were talking about missing, Wayne, and now we found out that one of the three missing heart kids, they found the body. Yeah, of course, and it's a question of the other two will wash up. Uh, There is no issue. There was conversation about they walked away, or that's it's impossible. No, absolutely, there was that. It was hope against hope, but it certainly was never going to happen. It was the Hart family, the two moms, and their six adopted kids. And there had been the reports uh, or allegations of possibly child abuse or right. something happening in the home. And then all of a sudden they're on this road trip and the SUV, it looks like one of the moms gunned it and went right over the edge in Mendocino. And they were still looking for three of the bodies of the kids, the 16-year-old, 15-year-old, and 12-year-old. And it looks like they found 12-year-old Sierra. Uh, Starbucks is going to close all 8,000 of its company-owned stores on May 29th for racial bias training. It's not that easy being green. And uh, there's some big names involved in putting together the program, including former Attorney General Eric Holder, the NAACP, the Anti-Defamation League, uh, and all the baristas and everybody will be put through some kind of... How much training do you need to go, don't treat black people differently than white people? Well, that's the easy part. There there is a lot more to it. Effectively, this becomes a mini psychology class where you do uh, this role-playing and work out and uh, work uh, these breakout uh, sessions with students. And it really has to do with looking internally as to bias, which I think is a great idea. I mean, I have no problem with that. It basically helps people understand more about themselves. So I'm fine with this. You don't don't feel this is overkill? uh, No, I'm fine with this because it's basically psychology class. And I'm fine with that. It's not overkill in terms of the public relations That's that's exactly what happened. The CEO and this company has handled this brilliantly. This is a PR move that is brilliant. Now, whether he did it, or his uh, crisis management company that they all have and sitting down, what the hell do I do? And all these ideas came up. But what's missing is the underlying fundamental problem. And they're not addressing that. And I'll talk more about that at 720. A huge issue that is just not on the table. Are you interested in knowing how much Starbucks is going to lose in sales by shutting down all those stores? They're going to make it up in the first 10 seconds because it's your $12 cup of coffee. Uh, You know, you don't have to sell too many. 12 million bucks. 
Is it really? Forego, yeah. But which isn't which honestly isn't that much. No, and a company that does Not that many them, billions. Yeah. But if you then take that figure as against, and we'll never know exactly the figure, but as against the number of cups business that would be lost because people are so pissed off that they're not doing that and it could be the other way they could actually and again all you can do is guess uh it can be argued that they're going to make much more than 12 million dollars over the years because people just have a better view of starbucks look at these guys look what they've done immediately they came to the table the ceo flies out to philadelphia meets with the two uh guys who were denied entry into the bathroom what can we do Uh, let me ask do you think they have the gold Starbucks card good for coffee forever? If they don't, they should. They well, they yeah. Disneyland has those. Universal Studios has those gold cards that let you in. As, All right. Oh yeah, yeah. I once for one year somebody made a mistake uh, at Universal Studios, mixed me up with somebody, and I had that gold card. Anytime, four people. Did you go a lot? No, not that much. That's what they bank on. Yeah, not that much. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back, and uh, some new immigration uh, rules, of course, of course. And uh, we still have plenty more to cover. This is KFI. All right, KFI handle here, and uh, good morning. It's a Wednesday. And uh, we've got Wayne Resnick and Jennifer Jones-Lee and me. The biggest stories that we're covering this morning, Barbara Bush, of course, uh, died uh, overnight. And uh, we're actually yesterday uh, afternoon. And I'll talk more about that at 8 o'clock. My interview with Barbara Bush, we're not going to play it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about uh, a couple things she said that were extraordinary. And uh, tax day today, not yesterday, because of the IRS uh, crashing the website or you crashing the IRS website. Okay, uh, let's do it. More handle on the news. Well, if you want to do a little building on that border wall, you're a company, you've got to let the city of L.A. know now. Build that wall. What a crock. This thing is breaking down uh, as to pro and con. Yes. Total polarization. Cities, counties against the state. Uh, against it's just it's going to just go crazy. It's a lot of backlash. I mean, sanctuary state. Oh, aren't we a liberal state? Oh, oh wait a minute. There are plenty of entities that are going. Oh no 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 no. This is not going to happen here in California. And uh, it's not just happening here in L.A. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, they've passed a new law to really stick it to the feds. Yeah, it's uh, a new law that prevents. Federal immigration officials from entering any city-operated area unless they have a judicial warrant. Crazy. And also prohibits uh, city workers from documenting any information about anybody's immigration status. Oh, yeah. Making it harder and harder to deport undocumented uh, immigrants. They just passed a law, matter of fact. uh, The same city, Albuquerque, said that when it comes to city dinners only at Mexican restaurants. They're not allowed to eat at any other establishment. I hadn't heard that part. Yeah. Oh. yeah just read it. It's paragraph four. Oh, got it. I didn't read far enough down. Well, uh, apparently we don't need to send National Guard troops to the border. We can just call in the students from a high school in Benicia and they'll patrol for us. This is the dumbest thing I have heard of in a long time. Remember how we all used to play like boys chase the girls, right, cops, cops and, and robbers. robbers. Yeah. Yeah. How about La Migra? 
So now here's how they do it. So the upperclassmen at Benicia High get in their cars and they drive across town chasing the lowerclassmen who are dressed in all black and the upperclassmen pretend like they're ICE agents and the lowerclassmen pretend like they're illegal immigrants. I can see there's some controversy there. You think? Uh, Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, especially uh, a part of it, uh, the uh, uh, upperclassmen take the lowerclassmen and throw them over the school wall, and uh, that uh, that can be a little controversial. But this is, I, and I and I'm telling you, as much as I make fun of all of this, the sensitivity, uh, la migra, because people used to be scared to death. All you had to do was whisper, yeah. la migra, and good, and just scared the hell out of undocumented. When Maria first started working for us. And we and I was unhappy with uh, whatever work she did. All I had to do was go. La migra. My oh, God, man. she jumped on it, and I mean quickly. Breaking news! Breaking news! The Benicia City Council just passed a law forbidding anybody from playing tag without a judicial warrant. Uh, excellent. Okay, I'll do. Oh, the, I'll hey. do. The, I'll do those. By the way. Okay, at the border. Uh, in Arizona, a woman comes to enter the United States with her three children and. Uh, Turns out her 12-year-old daughter had two pounds of cocaine strapped to her torso. I guess that's bad. That's very bad. Yeah, it's bad cocaine. It's bad involving your minor child in your crimes. It's all bad. Yep. And uh, there was a, a search. Uh, there's a woman drives up, and if there's if, if anybody looks a little nervous at the border, if there's anything untoward, immediately there'll be a search, and these border patrol agents know what they're doing. I mean, they can smell this, and uh, so the yeah. secondary search. They bring in the dog. They bring in the dog. The dog goes up and starts sniffing, and of course, the little girl goes, "Mommy, the dog likes me." <laughs> Not quite, sweetheart. Let me explain how this works. The poor kid. Oh yeah, I mean, how God. do you do this to a kid? And mom isn't that that kid's not going to have mommy around very long either on a bunch of different levels, not only criminality, but of course, uh, putting the child in danger. And uh, that's just that that child just go straight to CPS. Oh, absolutely. Okay, nothing happens to the kid. right? Oh, no, no. no, Okay, good. Okay, so (laughs) nothing happened to you yesterday if you are a procrastinator and thought, oh, my God, today's the date I have to file my taxes. No, not really. Because the IRS website went down yesterday. Apparently, there were so many procrastinators, we just blew it up. Yeah, well, that goes to show you that uh, the number of people that are filing electronically has just exploded. And it is, uh, I'd love to see the percentage increase in what uh, the number of people that are filing electronically. I've been filing electronically for years and years. and But we do it, I do it on actually... The minute before I'm supposed to do it, but I keep on extending and extending and extending, so I don't do it till way later. And it is, I, I, I'm surprised the IRS has, did not anticipate this. They should have. I was talking to Rich DeMero from KTLA, and he said that they, the IRS, because they said, what caused this? What caused the glitch? And he said that the, the software that they're using is ancient. Oh. It's like dinosaur software. So no wonder it blew up. But it's like it. the air traffic control people. That's 60, yeah. 60s technology. Yeah. I mean, uh, there it is on the screen, and it tells the uh, air traffic control. Now, take the piece of paper and move it over so you know where the airplane is. I mean, the computer program tells you to do that. 
It is hilarious. Well, not quite, but close enough. Scary, yeah. You know where they're not still using 60s technology? Oh, yeah. China. Oh, yeah. Did you see that 60-minute piece last uh, week? Yeah. Un- they have the most sophisticated uh, face recognition software in the world. And I mean everybody. 1.2 billion Chinese people can be recognized. They have 170 million security cameras all tied into a central database. It's so sophisticated and fast. There's some white collar criminal that the police had been looking for, right? There was a concert. 60,000 people going into this arena to see this concert. They all go past a camera. Boop! That's that guy you want. By the time he was sitting down the in his seat, he was surrounded by cops. Yep. Wow. And this was not a political crime. They call this a, uh, a financial crime. It's some kind of fraud. There's a lot of corruption going on. I mean, a lot. And the Chinese, if, you, if you're high enough in, on the food chain, they'll just shoot you. Uh, and I'm surprised there's still this kind of corruption going on. But this is extraordinary. The database is countrywide. I mean, we're talking about privacy. Uh, there is none in China. They don't even pretend. All right, let's take a break. Sorry as I'm coughing. <clears throat> Just call me Brian Suits. All right. Oh, uh, we'll be right back. KFI AM 640. All right, we're back now. Handle and uh, the morning crew as we finish uh, Handle on the news. Big stories that we're covering. Uh, uh, we're at Barbara Bush, of course, died. And I've got a lot to say about that, including uh, my interview with Barbara Bush many years ago. And uh, also coming up at 7 o'clock, right in a few minutes, uh, Alex Dona joining us over that uh, explosion on that Southwest uh, airline flight. All right, back back we go. Let's finish it up. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, three hit-and-run crashes in South L.A. have prompted some calls for more Vis- Vision Zero action. Vision Zero is... Uh, Garcetti's move, uh, his program to reduce accident deaths by, uh, what, 20%? By 20, it started in 2015. He wanted uh, accident deaths to, I don't even know what the number is. Yeah, but, 20% but it's not, but by it's, this year. Yeah, but it's not or working. last year, I'm sorry. Last it's not year. working. Oh. Not working. This, this, these were hit-and-run cases in uh, South L.A., and uh, that's, that's god-awful. One was a pedestrian. One was in a wheelchair. And the other ones were bicycles. I'm telling you, this is why you have to only drive down the street in the biggest SUV you could possibly get your hands on uh, and never walk. I mean, I, I, I don't walk very much. I certainly don't cross streets. Because I know, even with the light, I'm looking very carefully. And, man, I get, I'm constantly thinking I, I may get hit. Because it's so crazy out there. Well, people blow through lights all the time. Well, they're texting. They're doing all kinds of it. How much is this texting, too? You know, you know. A tremendous amount of it. Okay. Hey, the Massachusetts Supreme Court said yesterday that a ban on stun guns violates the Second Amendment. Let me stun! You think about it. If, For the second time. Yeah. Because can, they, they ruled that way in 2015, and then the Second Amendment people, I'm sorry, the, the anti-Second Amendment people went to the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court said, look, we don't know if your decision's good or not because you didn't explain yourself very well. Do a do-over. Well, they did, and now they're saying uh, you cannot stop people from having stun guns. It only I, applies to Massachusetts. 
And I'm just uh, wondering about the the legal ramifications because if it's on the one hand, it's uh, here you go, it's equivalent to a gun, and I have a constitutional right to have a gun, which is far more lethal, but not a stun gun. But does that mean you can yeah, have one, but you need a concealed weapons permit because that is a stun gun considered a weapon? They're giving they're giving the know. state sixty days to rewrite the law so that instead of being an out and out ban. They, it's some sort of regulated right. system. And you get training, for example, it has to be either, it can't be concealed. It Maybe. has, so people know. Um, so there, there are a bunch of options. Well, remember when Alex Jones said the Sandy Hook shooting was fake? Well, Alex Jones, the uh, lawsuit apparently against you, they could be very real. Yeah, parents are suing Alex Jones, who. He went public and said the whole thing was a fake. The kids were actors. And the parents. Yeah, All of it was set up by the U.S. government uh, because it wanted uh, to establish, uh, obviously, go for the anti-gun legislation. So were these defamation cases? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they're They are defamation cases. And emotional support. I mean, emotional distress. I mean, all of it. Didn't he turn around and didn't he retract that? Or he never has. I don't know that. Or a the partial, problem is it's or a hard partial to re- retraction. It's, it's hard to remember which of his outrageous things he did issue apologies for. So was it Sandy Hook? Was it Parkland that he backed away? It's hard to know with him. A Marine general <laughs> who is, well, was in charge of the Sexual Assault Prevention and uh, Assault Office has been removed for some comments that he made. Fake news, dirty deeds, dirty Yeah, comment one, he called information about an ongoing sexual harassment investigation uh, in his division fake news. But also, I think this is what got him ousted. He was speaking, uh, and... There's something going on with a with a, a Navy chaplain who was involved in this sexually harassing people. And he said, oh, you aviators, you should live vicariously through these chaplains because the chaplains are getting more action than the aviators. Oh, boy. Yeah, so yeah, uh, Brigadier General Kurt Stein is now a private. <laughs> I don't know what he's you, you doing, think, you, you but he's not, he's not in charge of the Marine and Family Programs uh, I'm really anymore. He, he gets demoted on this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, he should. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, we are uh, done. Uh, coming up, Alex Stone joins us on that uh, deadly crash, uh, the first and only fatality to date with Southwest Airlines since the day it started. And there's a lot to this. Uh, Alex is joining us to explain. KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here. It is a uh, Wednesday morning, uh, April 18th. A lot of stories to cover. 8 o'clock, I'm going to talk about Barbara Bush who died at the age of 92 yesterday. I, I interviewed Barbara Bush, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what she said during the interview. Uh, extraordinary lady. Uh, tax day is today. And uh, Alex Stone is with us uh, regarding that, cr- uh, n- not the crash, but that extraordinary incident on a southwest plane in which uh, an engine just blew midair, and uh, shrapnel went through the passenger, went through the fuselage, killing a passenger. And... Uh, It is a story, uh, well, I've actually never heard of a passenger uh, either being sucked out of a window or partially being sucked out of a window. Alex, uh, you're covering this. What's the latest on this? 
Yeah, you know, this is a crazy story, Bill. And uh, the captain of the Boeing 737, we now know today, was one of the military's first female F-18 pilots. And she this morning is getting a lot of praise for her calm demeanor as she was landing this crippled plane. She was as calm as anybody could be, reporting into air traffic control that they had lost part of the airplane, part of the engine. They had a woman who at that time she thought had been sucked out. Turns out that that woman, Jennifer Reardon, a marketing executive from Albuquerque, a mother of two, a wife, uh, she ended up dying once they got on the ground. She wasn't completely sucked out, but she was being sucked out, and two passengers, two men jumped in and pulled her back into the plane. These pilots were dealing with a lot. One, they had the engine failure, so they had lost 50% of their engine power. They had to figure that out. They had holes in the plane, which meant that uh, if they did anything wrong, that those holes could have gotten bigger or the plane could have ripped apart, being that they were at altitude with all of the forces there. Uh, they had the depressurization, so people couldn't breathe. They were uh, grabbing the oxygen masks. It was going to get very cold uh, in the cabin. Uh, they, the eardrums were popping, everything else. They had to get that plane down, and they did from 32,500 feet to 10,000 feet in a matter of minutes. Right. That was yep. a quick drop. And then the medical emergencies. They had uh, Jennifer Reardon uh, getting CPR done on her in the, in the cabin as all this was going on. Other passengers who were injured, uh, this is one of the passengers, a registered nurse who did that CPR. We did CPR on this, this lady um, who actually had um, the suction from the plane. The window had broken, and the suction... Negative pressure had pulled her outside the plane partially. I mean, it was it was chaos yeah. up there. But in what we saw, actually pretty calm for chaos. The people were quiet. They were doing what needed to be done. There wasn't a lot of screaming, but there was a lot going on. They thought they were going to die. Uh, just a couple of points. As much as this pilot is uh, is considered a hero, she actually just did her job. If you've ever noticed uh, any time there is an emergency, all the pilots are extraordinarily calm. Uh, because they've uh, been in a simulator over and over and over again. It just so happens that this group of people, that's not to say she didn't do a superb job, uh, which she did, but that's just the way these pilots roll. Uh, uh, if, If you put blood pressure monitors on them while the plane is going down, it won't be even a blip. And uh, you can and you can hear that. I mean, there have been crashes where I mean, they lost a wing. And you hear the pilot calmly say, we've lost a wing uh, on, on the way down. Yeah, uh, but, but they are human at the same time. Right. No, they are. And, 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 and she did. And they did. A, and she did a superb, superb job. I mean, sure. you're right about that. She did everything perfectly where the smallest mistake would have been an utter disaster. Uh, a couple questions about the woman who uh, was killed. Was it the fact that she was sucked out or was it the shrapnel that I understand hit her head? We're told by uh, emergency officials in Philadelphia that this was blunt force trauma. She was hit by a big chunk of the engine, and it was just, uh, I mean, a horrible situation that that piece of shrapnel happened to go right through her window. And so she got hit by the window as well, the window shattering. And the windows on a Boeing aircraft are extremely thick. In fact, uh, in my home office, I have one from a United aircraft. And to think that something could bust through that... And and then hit her with that amount of force. It shows you how it came off of that engine when the engine exploded. Uh, but she was hit by that. She was immediately unconscious. They started the CPR. It's not clear if she was in a seatbelt or not, but immediately the force of that window going out 
she started to go out the window, and that's when the other passengers jumped in and pulled her back in. Now, as far as the engine is concerned, we start with a 737. There's more of those in the air than any other aircraft in the world. Uh, And they have an extraordinary safety record. Uh, Airplane engines don't just blow up. Uh, So uh, any indication, or is it way too early that we're getting as to any reason this may have happened? For example, the turbine fans uh, lose some uh, some problem with the structure of the fans or or some issue with the fuel line. Any idea? When they do fail, they are supposed to stay within the casing of the, the engine. When they don't, it becomes an uncontained engine failure. And even though the NTSB says it hasn't quite classified this as that yet because there's a lot of specifications that come in if they give it that classification, that's what this was. It blew up and stuff went everywhere. This engine was what's called a CFM-56, and Southwest has had a problem with this type of engine not that long ago. There was an uncontained engine failure on the same type of plane, a 737-700, in 2016 over the Gulf of Mexico. They had an engine explode. It was also the left engine, same as this time. The aircraft fuselage had damage. The cabin depressurized. Nobody was seriously injured. But in that case, and the NTSB is still investigating that one, but in that one, they immediately saw that the the fan blades showed that they had metal fatigue. These blades are made of titanium alloy and copper nickel alloy, something that they saw there. Now, what have they immediately seen in this case? The NTSB is saying this overnight. Our preliminary examination of this was that there's evidence of metal fatigue where the blade separated. These engines are made by uh, CFM International, which is a joint venture between GE Aviation here in the U.S. and a French company. And now the NTSB has to look at, as these engines get older, on these 737s, the plane was 17 years old, but the engine had done 40,000 cycles. That's 40,000 takeoffs and landings. Is there a design or a maintenance issue that allows the metal to begin to fatigue at that point? Southwest says that they still are very confident in these engines and in these in the aircraft that they've had. I mean, they've been running them forever and they've had very few problems. Uh, but the NTSB now needs to look yeah, when these engines get older and a lot of airlines fly them. Uh, is this going to be an issue? They already Southwest says that they're going to go and begin doing microscopic analysis of the fan blades and all of the, their 737-700s to make sure that there aren't uh, signs of fatigue. Maybe an issue, by the way. This is the first ever passenger death from an accident on board a Southwest Airlines flight in the history of the airline. They have never had a death to a passenger from an accident. Uh, This breaks that record that they were very proud of. And uh, as far as you were talking about the microscopic examination, they pretty much do that with the structure of the airplane, don't they? They do uh, in in frequent checks that they have to do. They've got intervals. And and it's the same thing with these engines. This one uh, was last checked about 10,000 cycles ago. Every 30,000 cycles, they do the the, the metal analysis. And they're going to be sending the pieces of this engine back to their lab, actually. They've already got them uh, heading back that way in Washington, D.C., to to really study the, uh, the metal in there to see where is the fatigue coming from. Is this a bigger issue of some other kind? Or are the the 2016 and now this case, are they not linked and and just completely random that they both happened? Is it some kind of uh, the the maintenance side of it where that would be a Southwest issue? They don't know yet, but they are looking at these two cases and potentially they might have some connection. All right, Alex, thank you. You got it. Thanks, Bill. All right, uh, we're going to take a break, come back. uh, uh, Starbucks, unconscious bias training, uh, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's good, but they're not touching the underlying problem. The big problem here, and I'm going to share that with you. 
And uh, after the break, your chance to win $1,000, brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you need a new smile, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-640-SMILE. KFI handle here uh, some stories uh, that we're covering this morning. Barbara Bush uh, died yesterday. Before we get into our segment, here is your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. If you win, you're going to be notified with a phone call. You need to answer that call. Suzanne in Lancaster answered the call and won $1,000. There's a chance to win every Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right, uh, big stories that we're covering. Of course, uh, Barbara Bush uh, dying at the age of 92 yesterday, and I'll talk more about that at 8 o'clock and uh, refer to the interview I did with Barbara Bush. Extraordinary lady, to say the least. Tax day actually is today uh, till midnight because they extended it because uh, the website crashed. All right, now uh, a big uproar over Starbucks, and it has to do with two videos, uh, one uh, regarding two black men who are arrested uh, while waiting at one of the coffee chain stores last week and another one in which an individual uh, African-American uh, was arrested, actually. Uh, and Or, excuse me, he was uh, asked to leave because uh, he wasn't a customer. So uh, in, in this case, uh, what happened is the CEO of Starbucks jumped on this, I mean, instantly, got an airplane, flew out to Philadelphia uh, to meet with them, uh, to meet with the two African-Americans, and uh, what, uh, and, and this one I've never heard of, and that is coming up in May, Starbucks is shutting down for an entire, I mean, every store, every company-owned store, there's 8,000 of them, shutting down for the afternoon to go through uh, bias training. And uh, this has to do not with simply saying, okay, black people have to be treated the same way as white people. That's fairly simple. But on a much more sophisticated level, dealing with internal biases. Effectively, this is a course in psychology. And if you've ever taken psychology classes, one of the things that is or can be talked about is internal bias that people have and how to deal with it and even recognize it because it just sort of happens and it's something that should be dealt with. I'm fine with that. I am absolutely fine with that. It's... Uh, we were talking to Wayne this morning. It's not only Starbucks doing the right thing and simply having people recognize bias, just the, the scientific part of it and how they're, uh, they inherently feel, but with probably not even knowing about it, with the PR aspect of this, uh, they're handing, handling it brilliantly in terms of reacting instantly. Now, whether that was the CEO's own call or their crisis management uh, company or team, uh, consultants, because every major company has one of those now. I mean, there's just no issue about it. Uh, but the underlying issue, I think, is far more, well, I'm not going to say the word important, because certainly knowing what your bias is when you're dealing with the public, I think, is important. But the underlying problem is simply how Starbucks does its business. These men came in and wanted to use the restroom. And the manager said, uh, not unless you're a customer. And they weren't. One of them just sat down, and uh, the police were called. And uh, they were escorted out. I think one, he, handed, uh, he was hauled off in handcuffs. Uh, no charges were uh, 
ever filed. And the police acted very professionally, by the way. There's, if you look at the video, the police were calm. He was calm. I mean, there was no, there was no incident in terms of uh, excessive force or any of that. But it's just, you know, arresting someone uh, because uh, that person wouldn't leave the Starbucks uh, because one of the restroom. See, I think it's a double-edged sword on this one. And Starbucks has to decide, do you maintain the, uh, if you're not a customer, we're not going to let you sit here or use the restroom, or just say anybody can walk in and say, I want to use the restroom. And that means homeless people. That means simply anybody off the street using the restroom. And if you happen to be a Starbucks in an area where there's a lot of transients, for example, downtown Starbucks, what do they do? And Starbucks, as a corporation, has to make that call. And it's a lose-lose either way. There's no win here. Because if it turns out that uh, they're going to maintain their, you have to be a customer and you can use the restroom. Or it doesn't matter if you are or aren't, you can use the restroom. Something's going to give. And that is, well, uh, even Je- uh, Jennifer yesterday talked about a Starbucks up north where uh, homeless people would use the, uh, use the restroom to bathe. And uh, and they were still allowed to do that, Jennifer. Yeah, they would be in there for ten, fifteen minutes. If I'm a if I'm a customer, I'm not a customer anymore. How much business do you think they lose? We did lose business because of it. People would say that it was dirty. And I mean, the bottom line was they'd be in there for, like I said, ten, fifteen minutes, and we'd have to shut it down because we'd have to go in and clean it. So, how much business is a is a business allowed to lose? Because of a policy of letting anybody in who is not a customer. How about even someone bought a cup of coffee but was uh, so filthy, smelled so bad? Uh, do you still uh, say we, we have to let that person in where everybody else just bails out? Which well, you would because they had refills. You know, it was like 10 cents or something like that for a refill. So the homeless people would come in, get one cup, or somebody would give them a cup, something. And then they would come in, and for 10 cents, they could get refills. So technically, they were customers. So, and, and is there a, a, a limit where uh, the manager says, you know what, you're, you're, you're so disruptive. Simply by the way you look and smell uh, and conduct yourself and not even in an obnoxious way i'm just saying for being but it kills business do they have a right to say you're not allowed to kill our business because you are homeless and because uh we're losing uh all these other people all these other customers and either way it's a loss it, there is no easy answer and i've been to restaurants i talked about this yesterday and I don't, I don't have a problem with uh, someone saying, hey, you have to be a, custom, a customer. I mean, I don't uh, because I understand business. I've been in business for a very long time. I've been a small business person my entire life. And all I do is, and I've done this before, you know what? Uh, okay, uh, I'll have a Coke, hold the Coke. And then I go into the restroom and come out and put a couple of bucks down and uh, I'm done. You know, it just cost me $2 to use the restroom. But then again, I have $2. And uh, it is, and I usually I'm allowed to go in there because I actually bathe. I dress reasonably well. Not a fashion plate, but I dress reasonably well. And so, obviously, I'm not going to disrupt business. But it's, uh, you, you, you figure this out because I don't. I don't know. It, it, I don't know which way you can go corporately. And that, I think, is a bigger issue. De- and dealing with 
uh, in, in internal bias, I think is great. I think it's a great idea to help uh, the employees understand who they are and what they're about in dealing with the public. But, you know, what do you do when they smell that badly? All right, coming up. Uh, SCOTUS, Supreme Court, changes what it's describing as a vague immigration law. Not so vague to me at all. Uh, We'll talk about that coming up. KFI AM 640. Handle here on a uh, Wednesday morning, April 18th. uh, Big news stories that we're covering. Of course, the Southwest plane with the engine exploding. In midair, uh, fatality, first one in Southwest history. Barbara Bush has died. Uh, yesterday, she died at 92. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk about her background and the interview that I did with her uh, and uh, the statement she made where I fell in love with her even more than I was in love with her before. What an extraordinary woman. All right. Uh, now, let me give you a general rule of law. And uh, this is across the board. And that is a law will fail if it is too vague. It's that simple. Laws have to be specific, especially in defining criminal activities. And if you look at uh, any of the statutes defining what is a crime, I mean, it gets really specific. So there is a case of a guy from the Philippines that came to the United States in 1992 when he was 13. He's been a permanent resident. He has his green card. And uh, he pled no guilty, uh, no, no contest to charges of residential burglaries. And he ended up having two convictions. Well, under the law, the immigration laws now, the Obama administration uh, started removing him. Uh, and an immigration judge said, okay, he is removable from the U.S. because of his two state court convictions. And uh, the definition of residential burglary was deemed uh, an a crime of violence. And this is where I don't understand where the Supreme Court uh, said, is that the law is too vague and it is not specific enough for those for it to be deemed a crime of violence, therefore eligible for deportation. And uh, the uh, SCOTUS uh, nicks is part of that law. That says uh, the required deportation of an immigrant convicted of a crime, and only some crimes, uh, has uh, been overturned. Now, here's the part that I'm having a hard time understanding. And this is a Supreme Court where Neil Gorsuch voted in favor of this guy, James Garcia DeMaia. Gorsuch being a, let's say, somewhat of a conservative uh, you go, wait a sec, how how can he be pro-immigrant? Well, he's not pro-immigrant. What he is is pro-specificity of the law. It's exactly what Scalia did, and that is follow to the nth degree the concept that a law has to be so specific that there is no room, there's no wiggle room. And the Supreme Court said, unfortunately, there is wiggle room in defining a crime of violence uh, on the state level for the purposes of deportation. And here is, and the question and the problem, is an immigration order is an administrative decision. It is not a criminal decision. It's done by an administrative agency. And that is ICE. And an immigration judge makes the determination. 
And one of the other rules of law, so there's two rules I'm going to talk to you about, basic rules. Number one, criminal acts have to be so specific as to there is no doubt at all, no wiggle room. The other law is that the courts give tremendous deference to administrative agencies. Tremendous. They leave those agencies alone for the most part. Give them wide leeway in making their decisions. Not in criminal decisions, mind you, but in terms of civil administrative decisions. ICE, the Department of Labor, for example, the DMV, uh, that decides whether or not a license is to be removed or a, uh, or a, an application to reinstate a license is not going to be given. I mean, the court's going to say, you know what? That's, that's you guys that do that. It's not us. And if there is an issue, and this is a federal issue, is the basis of how ICE deals with uh, people and how many convictions you can have and what their definition of uh, violent crime uh, based on what the states say is violent crime. Uh, the courts have traditionally said, you know what, if you have a problem with it, take it up with Congress. You know, they'll make the decision. And you hear that all the time where the Supreme Court or any of the courts says, you know what, great, it's not our call. This is a congressional call. It's dealing with the law and whether or not Congress wants to pass a law. Now, Congress can easily pass a law and simply setting up the definitions of uh, which crimes are going to be considered violent or not violent. I mean, Congress can easily pass a law defining anything when it comes to immigration. But they don't. They leave it open to ICE. ICE leaves it open to the states to determine whether it's a violent crime or not and when it kicks into, quote, the violent part, the, the real dangerous part. And the court said that's not specific enough, which I don't understand. I just don't get. But just wanted to share with you, this is one of the few times in which the Supreme Court, with this, with these judges, uh, now are backing up uh, someone who is an immigrant in a situation that uh, normally never would. Just wanted to share that with you. All right, uh, coming up, do we need the wall? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you that there is a big argument to say we don't need it at all, and it makes no sense. And I'll share that with you when we come back. KFI AM 6.40. I handle here on a Wednesday, April 18th, the news that we're covering Barbara Bush. Uh, we were expecting this, died yesterday at the age of 92. And uh, I'll be talking more about that at 8 o'clock and referring to the interview I did with Barbara Bush uh, many years ago and uh, something that she said, uh, extraordinary. Because that's Barbara Bush. It was wonderful. And uh, the Southwest plane, we've been covering that with the engine exploding, uh, killing a woman with a shrapnel that came from the engine. So there's a lot going on today. All right, now. Uh, let's go back to when uh, Donald Trump was first running for office. And one of his uh, basic, basic ideas that he was promoting, that when he became president, is he was going to build that wall. As a matter of fact, uh, no one is going to forget those rallies in which he would go build that wall, build that wall, and 
everybody in the room would scream, build that wall, build that wall. What they didn't scream was build those integrated fixed towers, build those integrated fixed towers. You didn't hear that, did you? Why? Well, because it just doesn't have the same flavor. You know, I mean, build that wall is simple. It's punchy. It says what it has to say. It's politically brilliant. Integrated fixed towers, eh, it's a little technical, isn't it? It doesn't quite do the same thing. Well, it may not have the same punch, but what it does is keep out illegal aliens at a fraction of the cost that a wall would 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 uh, do. Now, the wall across a good part of the United States, the southern border, is tens of billions of dollars. And considering there's no doubt going to be cost overruns like crazy, you know how many more tens of billions of dollars is going to be. So uh, let me tell you what actually is going on along the fo- for, uh, southern border, which you don't hear the administration push, push very much or even talk about because it takes away from the argument of build that wall. There are 23 integrated fixed towers along the Arizona-Mexico border. And this is just high-end technology. And it is part of the latest, although very unnoticed, very largely unnoticed, because that's a political decision not to talk about this from the Trump administration. And they're installed mostly on hilltops, 80 to 180-foot towers, outfitted with radar, radar, night, day cameras, can literally scan hundreds of square miles of very rugged terrain. And what the way it works is you have Border Patrol agents looking at this uh, entire uh, this uh, panoply of, uh, of monitors, and they're looking at it. And keep in mind, it's not just them looking at it. Uh, it's also infrared sensor systems that can uh, detect when uh, the border is being transversed. And it can tell, is it a person? Is it a cow? Is it a vehicle? Is it someone who limps? So you have a limping illegal alien going across. I mean, it's, it really gets there. Now, it was uh, started uh, back in 2006 under President George W. Bush, uh, a $1 billion program plagued by performance snags, cost overruns like every government program, but... This is technology that just keeps on getting better and better. You know, I've talked about that. We've talked about that constantly. Tech just keeps on improving at, a, at lightning speed. Well, the same thing happens here. So uh, the program is halted in 2011. Research has continued at a very lower funding level. And at this point, even with the crap research money that's going in, the technology, this new generation radar, uh, is just doing everything it's supposed to do and more. It can even determine and tell the difference between branches rustling in the wind and people underneath those branches. I mean, it, it's that, it is that good. So teams of up to seven agents watch 50 live video feeds from dozens of cameras. And guess what? 
it works. Beeps, flashing screens, it's kind of neat. It's almost like a movie. And then you have a computer voice that fills the room with every border intrusion. Alert one, alert run. And all of a sudden, it becomes a a real-life video game. I mean, this is great stuff. These cameras, incidentally, are so powerful, they can zoom into windows and cars in Mexico and the U.S. So of course, uh, the privacy issues. Oh, my God, it's privacy. Stop it with the privacy when it comes to people crossing the border. I have no problem a camera peering into my car window to make sure that I don't have a bunch of uh, illegal aliens uh, sitting in the car or uh, it that that is also predicated on uh, the kind of border patrol you 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 what they do is you combine the technology with just their expertise at points of entry and it's doing a great job the crossings of illegal aliens have gone down dramatically and it used to, we used to say oh it's because the economy is so terrible and there are no jobs there are plenty of jobs now and it's still going down this is working and relative to the cost of a wall, you've got every few miles, you have a tower with a bunch of technology. What does a camera cost today? Even a very sophisticated camera, a couple of thousand dollars, $20,000. How much do you think a wall costs going from one camera tower to another? Let's say it's two miles down the road or four miles down the road. What do you think it costs per mile to build a wall? This just works, but you'll never hear this Trump administration talking about it. Why? Because it just doesn't sound the same. Build that wall appeals to the base. People love building that wall. Now, what you're not hearing anymore, and who's going to pay for it? Mexico! Have you noticed you're not hearing that anymore? But you're still hearing build that wall, even though there's technology that maybe not will replace the wall, but we'll do 90% of it for 10% of the cost. All right, coming up, Barbara Bush. Uh, she died yesterday at the age of 92. Uh, share with you a little information just about how terrific she was. What a history of uh, a first lady and a mother of a president. And an interview I did with her, and I want to talk about that too, uh, what she said to me. KFI AM 640. It's like I'm KFI handle here. It is a uh, Wednesday, April 18th. Some of the biggest stories that we're covering today, that Southwest uh, plane, Philadelphia, engine explodes, shrapnel, literally punched through the fuselage, a woman is hit and dies, and it's, uh, it's a tough one. Tax day, supposed to be yesterday? Nope, today. The IRS computer crash, so it is tonight at midnight. Unless you happen to live in L.A., Santa Barbara, Ventura County, the IRS has allowed till the end of the month because of uh, the fact they were disaster areas and having to deal with all the craziness. All right. Now, uh, yesterday we heard that Barbara Bush uh, died, and no surprise because over the last few days we knew she was failing and it was reported that she was done. She wanted no more treatment. She just wanted comfort care and have her family around her, and that's exactly what happened. And, of course, uh, the accolades are coming in like crazy, as rightly so. Uh, Married for 73 years to uh, George H.W. 
And that's a long time. They met when she was 17. He was uh, 18. Uh, fell in love at first sight. Joked, except it was true, uh, that she never kissed any other person, any other man. And she, a couple things about her before I get into the interview that I did. And just the one statement. All I want to do is repeat the one statement that she said to me, which just wraps it all up in terms of who she was. And she did things a little bit differently. First of all, she came from money. Her dad was the publisher of McCall's. And uh, her uh, mom was uh, the daughter of an Ohio Supreme Court justice. I mean, there was money there. Now, it turns out that George H.W. Uh, also made a lot of money, but he did it on his own. He went to the oil fields of uh, Texas. I-, I don't know if you knew this, and I didn't until I started researching this, but uh, the family lived in Southern California for uh, a period of time as he was doing the oil patch. And he, and he moved uh, in what, Bell and a few other cities. That, uh, they lived in five different cities here in Southern California. And what she did was a little different because uh, especially, I mean, all the attention of obviously uh, she got and still has, uh, happens to be she's the second woman in the United States history to be both the mother and the wife of a U.S. president. And, that, and that we're going back to the second president of the United States, John Adams and his son, John Quincy Adams. And she didn't do it the way other first ladies did it. Well, coming off of the tales of Rosalind Carter and Nancy Reagan, both actively involved in the presidency itself. Rosalind Carter, it was nuts. I mean, she sat in on cabinet meetings, for God's sake. And we knew Nancy Reagan would whisper to Ronald Reagan. I mean, there's a couple of them where he was, a couple of press conferences where he was at a loss for words. She was there and uh, would uh, whisper what he has to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would utter it. And unfortunately, that was caught on camera. So she was very heavily involved. Barbara Bush was not. First First and foremost, she was a mom. And that was, and a family, uh, held the family together. She was the glue that literally held the Bush family together. And was known as probably the best political strategist in the entire family. Behind the scenes, well, the family refers to her as the enforcer. I mean, while the public persona is her pet, uh, her pet issue was literacy, for example. And that was what she chose. And, of course, it is uh, not controversial at all. There's no politics to it whatsoever. And so she purposely decided to stay away from politics. She said, my husband was elected the president. I have no business being involved in making political decisions with my husband, although I'm sure that he relied on her a great deal. Because she was so smart and because she had just great instincts. And when she had to, she would get political. I mean, she went out and campaigned both for her husband, her son, Jeb Bush, when he was running for president. She's in a walker going across the stage and making no bones about it saying, you vote for Jeb. And would get angry if someone said, no, you have to vote for Jeb. So 
going to the interview I did, it was one of her books, and she wrote a couple books on uh, uh, from the viewpoint of Millie, her dog. It's kind of a cute way of doing it. Uh, huge bestsellers, incidentally. And then the money all went to a foundation to help literacy. So as I'm talking to her, and she's the most no BS person. There's no spinning. There's no crap to what she says. Uh, just a very nice, sharp lady who had written a book. And I asked her, and I said, uh, Mrs. Bush, uh, what really gets you angry? I mean, what pisses you off? I was just curious. You know, she said Mother's Day. And I went, what? She goes, Mother's Day. And I said, I, I knew there had to be more of the, more to the story uh, about that. And I'm, I said, okay. And would you like to explain that, please? She said, yeah. I get thousands of Mother's Day cards from people all over the country. I'm not their mother. Send your own mother a Mother's Day card. I have my own family. And I thinking, that's Barbara Bush. Good for her. At that point, feisty, sort of contra, uh, yeah, I would say counterintuitive because, you know, you'd have a you know, first lady go, oh, I received thousands of cards and uh, it's lovely and thank you. She didn't want it. She didn't want to hear it. No, I just said, do it with your own mother. Just leave me alone. I mean, I love that. And that's the epitome of Barbara Bush. Family, I mean, really family, not yours, hers. Insular to an extent. I mean, we look at her history. Now, she did a couple of things that were kind of stupid, but like anybody else. And there were a couple of utterances, uh, one of them with Katrina and uh, all the people that were in uh, the Superdome, if you remember. And she said something along like, hey, these are poor people, real poor people anyway, so uh, this may be better for them the way they live. Oops. Oops. All right, she did a couple of those, but it's hard to be in the public spotlight and not, and not make some bonehead statement. But all in all, she gets an A, for sure, by virtually everybody. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, oh, here's a shocker. L.A. is too expensive for young people. Really? Oh, I want to dive into that a little bit and start talking about how wor- how it's getting worse by the day. And also, after the break, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have crooked teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-646. KFI Handle here on a uh, Wednesday morning. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. The winner is notified with a phone call which you must answer like Denman and La Habra did. He won $1,000. Next chance to win next hour. All right, we're back. Uh, it is uh, Handle in the Morning Crew. Big stories that we're covering uh, today. Of course, the death of Barbara Bush, uh, who died yesterday. That southwest plane that yesterday, the engine just exploded at altitude, 30,000 feet. And uh, shrapnel blew through a window and killed uh, this uh, this mother of two. And then a very, very local story 
is uh, right near here, Home Depot and Ikea in a parking lot. Three bodies were found right next to the freeway. It's a little close to home, don't you think? All right. Uh, Here is uh, a statement that is going to shock you. And that is Southern California, Los Angeles in this case, is a very difficult place to find housing. Okay, that's a shocker, isn't it? Didn't know that, did you? But as bad as it was last year, uh, it is far, far worse uh, this year. I mean, the median price of homes has just exploded. And the median price is uh, homes above and below that price, sort of right there in the middle. And it's it's so out of reach now that, uh, particularly for young people, it just can't be done. Just can't be done, which is why everybody lives with their parents. I mean, that's just the way it works. Alex, you live with your parents? John, do you live with your folks? Oh, no, you don't. No, no. I, no, but they but they help pay. No, I pay. Oh, God. You're no Jew. I'm not. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, the day my daughters pay rent is going to be a miracle. Uh, so the point is that it's just getting more and more difficult. And the percentage of younger people, we're talking about people who just gotten out of school or been in the workforce for uh, a moderate amount of time, it has just become impossible. And the shame of this is, you know the stats, I know the stats, certainly city planners know the stats, and yet they're making it as difficult as ever to build housing. On the one hand, oh my God, this is terrible, this is horrible, we have to help out, and on the other hand, we're going to make it impossible for developers to come in and build. As a matter of fact, when there was a bill introduced in the state legislature that I think is now pending, and that is to take away the a great deal of the planning of uh, the local cities, local planning boards, and simply say, this is the amount of density we're going to allow, this is the number of uh low-cost housing units that we're going to mandate depending on the project. And there's some very specific criterion, of course. The All the local planning boards, the municipalities, said, oh, no, no, you can't take away our power. Effectively, what they said is you can't take away our power to make it impossible to build. But at the same time, we want help. For example, we want help in homelessness. Give us a pile of money. Okay, well, how about we allow a lot more density and we allow where you normally didn't have the zoning to build multi-story buildings, multi-units, and we'll give X number to make sure that goes to low-cost housing to deal with homelessness. Great idea. Love it. But you're not going to tell us where, how many units, you're not going to tell us any criterion because we control it and we control it is code for we're not going to let it happen because neighborhood uh, organizations file lawsuits and poor people in those districts don't vote homeowners do and there isn't anybody who's run for local council that doesn't go to the local homeowners association to pitch for votes and pitch for money And everybody is in the NIMBY world, not in my backyard. So you have all these council people pointing fingers at the other council people saying, 
over in your district. No, over in your district. No, over in your district. Well, how about your district? Nope, 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 not going to happen because uh, we want power. But it really is the uh, local homeowner association that say no. So the bottom line is it becomes impossible. Young people are screwed. Uh, the average, the uh, not the average, but uh, the median cost of housing now in L.A. County is 500 and something thousand dollars. In Orange County, it's 600 and something thousand dollars. You go to San Francisco, it's 1.7 million. How's that for a young person getting involved in housing? Yeah, uh, yeah, I make forty thousand dollars a year. No problem. I'll I'll come up with uh, yeah four hundred thousand dollars down payment and a million dollar one point three million dollar mortgage. What's the problem with that? That's how crazy it has become. All right, uh, coming up, handle on the news, late edition, right here. This is KFI. Handle on the news, late edition. Handle on the news. And now here's Bill. H- <laughs> Handle. Oh, I hate that guy. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, Wednesday, April 18th. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, uh, the House Whisper Glass, the future of residential architecture. Dean Sharp's going to talk about that coming up at 9.30. Also, I mean, we have such enormous amount of news. Barbara Bush dying, the Southwest Plain, tax day has been extended. But the most important news of the day is the fact that we're getting a new coffee machine here at KFI in the, uh, over there in the coffee, uh, little kiosk thing that we have a little coffee, yeah, a little kitchenette thing. And it just occurred to me, this is very deep because look at this, uh, old coffee machine dying and gone new coffee machine coming. It's a circle of life. One dies, one is born. Wow. Very metaphysical, isn't it? Wow. Thank you. Ashes to ashes, <laughs> grounds to grounds. Very good. All right, guys. I hope this thing arrives before 10 so we can get some video of, of you trying to like make love to it yeah, or whatever's going to sure. happen. You're it so matter. excited. I'm here all morning anyway. All right. So uh, let's do it. Uh, handle on the news, late edition. Lead story. President Trump uh, ordered uh, late yesterday all flags be lowered to half staff uh, until Saturday in memory of uh, Barbara Bush, who is, uh, it really has affected all of us. I mean, she was one of the most popular Americans uh, that we have had in a very, very long time. We knew she was going to die uh, over the weekend. It had been reported that she uh, that she was saying no to any more uh, medical help, all, she, all comfort care, effectively, just drugs. I don't even know drugs. I don't know if she needed them because it's not a question. Uh, she didn't have cancer. This was congenital heart failure, wasn't it? Yeah, and lung issues. So she yeah. had the oxygen. Yeah. And, um, just that. Well, one of the things that is all over the Internet right now is this love letter that George H.W. Bush sent to Barbara. No. It's very moving. Oh, it's so sweet. Yep, he uh, sent it uh, December 12th, 1943. Uh, he was a trainee, a naval a- aviator trainee. Oh, and there's video. I mean, there was footage of him, his plane uh, going down in the Pacific, being shot down. 
and him being rescued. Oh, that, I haven't yeah, you seen can that. you can look that up. Oh, it's yeah, I'd it's love to. George Bush being rescued as and you can see his plane and submarine uh, picked him up. As a matter of fact, I mean it was just a fluke, and it's uh, an extraordinary piece of uh, film footage. I'm gonna uh, yeah, I look that up. But this letter. Just a, a couple of excerpts from it. I love you, Precious, with all my heart. And to know that you love me means my life. How often I have thought about the immeasurable joy that will ours be ours someday. How lucky our children will be to have a mother like you. Uh, How sweet seven, is in that? 73 years they were married. And in love with each other as much at the last part of their marriage, which, of course, happened uh, yesterday uh, as the day they met. Extraordinary. Also kind of extraordinary, the revelation that CIA director Mike Pompeo secretly met with Kim Jong-un. Since I met you, baby. Yep. And not on neutral ground. No, he went North to North Korea. Korea. Yep. And uh, this is a precursor, and the president just admitted that was happening. Of course, reports have come out. Precursor to the meeting of the president and Kim Jong-un, and they're negotiating now uh, what they're going to talk about, de- uh, denuclearization, although different De- definitions and what where they're going to meet now if you look at um, Mike Pompeo and Kim Jong-un they're both pretty chunky guys and I'm wondering how much food oh. was there at that meeting you always want to know don't I you always ask that I always no ask don't you what did they very good <laughs> what did they feed you I mean I'm always asking that Every time uh, we talk to, for example, Steve Gregory, who yeah, handles, he always does the Oscars. I always say, okay, what was on the menu this time around in the press room? Shrimp cocktail. Uh, That's a staple. Okay. All right. So uh, oh, is yeah. Governor Brown breeding something in California? Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. So his, so his tweets, that was this morning. Uh, This is the president, of course, says there's a revolution going on in California. We're talking about, of course, sanctuary state. And then I I don't even know what people in government do or leadership in the Senate and the House do when they they look at this stuff. So, S-O-O-O-O, many sanctuary areas want out of this ridiculous crime-infested and breeding concept. Referring, of course, to... Does he mean that the that the idea of being a sanctuary state is growing? Right. That's it, what he means I don't by think that phrase? So. I don't think so. I think he's referring to breeding as in the Hispanics coming over to the border. That's the way I read it. And I may be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I got to say, my immediate, I, or my immediate thought was what you said, Handel, although... What Wayne said is what I think he meant to say. Don't know. It's hard to know. Well, I based on the backlash that's going to occur, I guarantee you uh, Sarah uh, Sanders is going to say, oh, no, you have it all wrong. He, what he meant was exactly what Wayne, Wayne Resnick, said. who's on KFI Radio in Los Angeles, <laughs> said. Can't wait to hear my oh, name please. come out of her mouth. I hope she does. <laughs> hey, uh... Speaking of policies, this is a very interesting development. Some California police groups say they will consider agreeing to make some officer discipline records public. Right now, we have no idea. Let's say uh, an officer is involved in uh, a police shooting, right, accused of excessive force. And what a lot of groups are saying, uh, we want to know if this has happened three or four times before. 
as a pattern that this is just the kind of guy who does this, and he jumped way too fast in using excessive force. And uh, the police were adamantly opposed to this. I think this is a reaction, though, to the bill that uh, State Senator Nancy Skinner up in Berkeley is proposing. It would require public disclosure of all shooting investigations, all confirmed cases of sexual assault by an officer, and any instance of lying while on duty. I think the police agencies are saying, okay, wait a minute, maybe we can work out a compromise. Well, remember the uh, teacher? You know what? Let's take a break, and we'll come back so we don't have to rush it through. Uh, We'll be back with more with uh, Jen and Wayne and me. KFI. All right, KFI Handle here and the, the morning crew as we finish Handle on the News Late Edition. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Okay, Jen. All right, remember that teacher who called the members of the military the lowest of the low? Yeah, well, uh, he might have had nude images on his work computer. Dirty work. Maybe nude images of women. How about an image of a young boy pulling on a sumo wrestler's thong like a garment? Uh, he might have told his students it uh, should not be legal to download illegal. kitty porn. Illegal. Or illegal to yeah. download kitty porn. Quite, or- a, quite a piece of work, this guy. They did a whole. They hold. They did an investigation of this company, Paradox Technology. They are super top forensic investigators for attorneys. And they pulled these images off his computer that he had deleted and they also found out, he told the students one day he would kill everyone in the classroom if he had to to protect his family. That's very special. Used racial slurs, left campus during the workday against the rules, did his business as city council person on the school computer, <laughs> and apparently lied his keister off during the investigation into all of this. Okay, so he's not a very good guy. Hey, do you want, I'll tell you where property prices, uh, home prices, are fairly low. Parish, Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> oh. that's because climb on board the poop train. I said a New York City poop poop poop. New York City. That poor town. Poop, poop, what happens, of course, is uh, a lot of states send their wastes to landfills, especially in the southeast. And there's a landfill near there that gets these trains just full of uh, treated sewage from New York City. And they were going through one town, I think it was called West Jefferson, that they were bringing the poop in. And the city leaders in West Jefferson got an injunction preventing the poop train from going there. So now it's rerouted through Parrish, Alabama, population 982. And everybody there says the whole town smells like death. Oh, uh, Yeah. And it's stranded, incidentally, at the town. Right. It's just sitting there on the tracks next to this town. Yeah. Can't wait for summer to really hit. That's right. Oh, so gross. <sighs> summer in the South, too. Oh, yeah. no. Well, there's a teacher who might be fired because he wanted to make his students pancakes. It's a pancake party. What a way to wake up. These kids had been working their tushes off for their assessment tests. And so, as a, you know, congratulations to them, he wanted to serve them whole grain pancakes while they were taking the school yeah, assessment and that, test last And that's week. the issue, I that's think. That's the problem. And the school said, uh, you can't do that. You can't interfere. 
and you can't distract. He has to oversee. Right. And so if he's over there flipping pancakes, he might not be watching the kids. Yeah. So Nobody they could agrees or... with this decision. No. Not one parent, not one well, student wants this guy fired. Yeah. Uh, well, the choice of whole grain pancakes as opposed to regular <laughs> buttermilk, I, uh, I think there's an issue there. It could be crusties. I know. <laughs> uh, was it real maple syrup or uh, was it just uh, like Aunt Jemima? Uh. <laughs> Well, a 16-year-old collapsed at his high school in South Carolina after people saw him drink a Mountain Dew, a coffee, and an energy drink all within the span of 40 minutes. Yeah, that'll do it. Davis Kripe is his name. He was 16, and they say that it was so much caffeine altogether, it caused an arrhythmia. Now, if they had had one of those portable defibrillators up on the wall, he probably would have survived. And you'd think every business does. We don't have one here, do we? I, I originally so. we originally talked about it. I remember I remember going to management and saying, "How about putting one on every floor on either end of uh, the the floor?" And uh, they're not very much money, and but people don't do that. They just don't. They just don't. Which is, I think, airplanes now have them. I think yes. every I think aircraft. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a sad story, but you know that's way too much caffeine at one time. Well, a kid who was. Convicted of felony murder, armed burglary, and theft related to the shooting of a friend who got charged by a police officer in Alabama, I guess. Uh, he wants a new trial, even though he insulted the judge. Yeah. You can't do that. You know, especially when you're looking at years and years of prison. He so, laughed at him. I know. That's the problem. And so the judge gave him 65 years uh, consecutive not yeah, he con- stacked. He stacked yeah, all these not counts. Not concurrent, which, what, 99% of the time is concurrent? Mm, yeah, unless there's a specific legal reason they have to be consecutive, it's pretty common for it to be con- uh, concurrent. But this, this it was five, right? Five of them stole a car and then broke into some houses. The cops show up and shoot one of them dead, so he's on the hook for felony murder. And while he was waiting for his case to be called, he said, and the judge heard him say, I don't have time for this. Oh, well, now you got And the judge said, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. All right, one quick last one. Oh, God, a guy up in Marin County is uh, representing himself in a rape case. Here is his defense. There's no way that I committed this rape because I'm a good-looking guy and the victim is 300 pounds. I want a big, fat woman. And this is after his... He had a court-appointed attorney who was doing a rather excellent job and probably was on the verge of getting the case dismissed. And this guy insisted that he take over and represent himself. The judge actually said, this is a terrible idea, but but you you have a a constitutional right. right. And so um, he's probably going down big time. They also say that while he's been out on bond for this rape charge... That he exposed himself and masturbated in front of a female Uber driver. He also says that didn't happen. Well, whenever you're in doubt, you're out on bail, uh, just masturbate in front of an Uber driver, just to sort of wrap it up. Just sort of finish it all up, if you will. Tie a nice bow on it. For sure. Okay, guys, uh, we are done. Uh, How many people you think are in favor of uh, medical marijuana now or recreational marijuana? Uh, You'd be surprised. Who's changing their tune KFI AM 640. I love that song. Yeah, just it just works for me, that song. Always has. 
All right, Handel here on a hump day Wednesday. Uh, the stories that uh, we are covering today, uh, the big ones, uh, Barbara Bush died yesterday at the age of 92. Of course, accolades are coming in like crazy, as they should. And the president's ordered flags at uh, federal buildings half-mast until uh, Saturday. And the Southwest plane, uh, which blew an engine, just exploded at 30,000 feet. A woman was killed with a shrapnel going through the window. And then probably the most important story of the day is we get a new coffee machine here uh, at uh, KFI, which is so desperately needed. Okay. Now, who was against medical marijuana and then even really more recreational marijuana? Republicans. Democrats are fine. They've always been fine with it. Democrats, matter of fact, they smoke joints in the legislatures. I mean, they don't care. You know, there they are puffing away. But Republicans have traditionally been very much anti-marijuana, particularly uh, recreational marijuana. Well, that is moving quickly, quickly on the other side. And it really has to do with this is a story where where Jeff Sessions, uh, the attorney general of the United States, is adamant. I mean, he is fanatic about uh, making sure that all marijuana growers, distributors be put out of business as quickly as possible and said We, the federal government, are not even going to recognize the states that have uh, legalized recreational marijuana. We don't care if those marijuana growers, distributors, et cetera, are following state law. We have the ability to shut them down, and we will. Federal law preempts. And the president was fine with that. However, uh, Justice Department nominees all of a sudden are being blocked like crazy. The Justice Department can't get the nominees through. And why is that? Well, there is Senator Cory Gardner, who has some power. And he nailed uh, the Attorney General for saying he would rescind, that is, the Attorney General, the Obama-era policy that directed the feds not to target marijuana, that uh, marijuana businesses that were operating legally under state law. And... What do you think the president did? He caved, which is logical, incidentally. For Jeff Sessions and the Department of Justice, this is the wrong side of history that they're on. He might as well go after alcohol and tobacco for all the legitimacy and the logic. Just not going to do it. Well, when you think of alcohol, which is a lot more dangerous than marijuana, when you think of tobacco, which, and I'm not a medical expert here, although I do play one on radio, is a lot more dangerous than is marijuana. Why is that? Well, because you can't smoke enough marijuana to give yourself cancer. Last I heard, you can't smoke 20 joints a day. But you certainly smoke a pack a day, sometimes two packs a day. So uh, there's no magic to this. And the only reason that you, of course, have alcohol and tobacco uh, that are legalized, because it goes back to the days of when the United States was founded. I mean, that's how far back it goes. So Gardner said, um, you go back to the Obama era, the Obama era rules that say if a state has legalized recreational marijuana and the businesses are operating under their laws, then we're going to leave it alone. And he, up to the, up to the point, uh, he opposed recreational marijuana. Do you know that? He was against it. 
right up to the point where Colorado passed uh, the legalization back in 2012. But since then, he's become one of the staunchest defenders of the law. Now, he says it has to do with states' rights. And that the policy of the feds trampled on the will of the voters in Colorado and other states. Well, you know, the federal government tramples the vote, uh, the will of the voters every day. That's not a problem. How about the fact that uh, last year, we're in 2016, those are the last numbers we have, Colorado generated about $250 million in tax revenue from the recreational pod. Okay, that'll wake you up. Washington, the state, raked in about $256 million. And the other argument for saying, you know, this is good stuff, not only because people like to get high and they haven't yet proved how dangerous marijuana is, as uh, studies have just not been done to, we're talking about peer-reviewed, uh, double-blind studies, what you need to uh, to test this stuff out. Most of this tax money goes towards public school systems. And it's more difficult to argue no to public schools. Fit on public schools. We are going to make sure that uh, we're not going to allow marijuana, even in the states that do. The cost, and, and I, I'm not aware of marijuana costs because it's been a little while since I've actually bought some. Uh, but in Denver, marijuana costs $163 an ounce, estimated. When I was buying marijuana, it was $10 an ounce. $10 an ounce. But you, you got some twigs in there, too. You, know, you got some leaves and twigs, and you, just, you had to grind it all up, and it was... Just terrible. And today, the marijuana is insanely more potent. From what I understand, a couple of puffs, literally a couple of hits, and you're done. Which, of course, makes $163 an ounce go a very, very, very long way. Uh, In L.A., an ounce is about $200, so it gets a little bit more expensive than that. But even very conservative, conservative uh, legislature, Representative Dana Rohrbacher of Costa Mesa, uh, he's the lead sponsor of the Respect State Marijuana Laws Act. And he has a dozen Republican co-sponsors. And he, that law is aiming to make sure the federal government does not criminally prosecute individuals and businesses that are operating in state-sanctioned activities, following the law in those states. Uh, The representative of Virginia, uh, Tom Garrett, Republican, last year introduced the Ending Federal Marijuana Prohibition Act of 2017. And it would take marijuana off the list of controlled substances. In other words, drugs. And it's going to join alcohol and tobacco. And my favorite one is former Speaker, House Speaker John Boehner, who was adamant I mean, he believed that legal marijuana or any kind of marijuana was a gateway drug. Well, he's changed his tune. He is now joining the advisory board of Acreage Holdings. It's a company with operations in several states, cannabis operations. And he said the reason he changed his mind was based on public opinion because the public has gone the other way. And it has nothing to do with the fact he's now getting paid. Uh, no, that that's not it at all. It's because public opinion. 
Okay. Yeah, it's on, it's on. Well, it's already here. I mean, you know, the people that are you know screaming about how marijuana shouldn't be allowed. Come on, give it up already. All right, get a life. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to talk about drugs again, and that has to do with uh, overdose victims' organs. Some issues about using them for transplants, and then one of my pet peeves is all about transplants. You know, if you've been listening, you know how fanatic I am about that. So we're going to come back with that and uh, your chance to win a thousand dollars. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have wisdom teeth problems, which I don't understand because you're not really that bright. If you have wisdom teeth problems, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-640-SMILE. It's my life. It's now handle here. Here is your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. They call the winner. You have to answer the call or you can't win. Fred in Anaheim did, and he won $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour. All right. Uh, some of the big stories that we're covering, uh, and these are obviously some big stories. Uh, Barbara Bush uh, died yesterday at the age of 82. Uh, there is, uh, for the first time, a fatality aboard a Southwest airplane since, I think, 1967 when the, air- when the airline was founded. And uh, this has to do with the engine exploding in midair and shrapnel going through the uh, fuselage and some woman hit in the head, uh, a mother of two, and ended up dying. Uh, that's tough, tough stuff. And tax day is now today instead of yesterday because of the IRS uh, breakdown of their website. It was just overloaded. All right, uh, one of uh, my pet subjects that I am fanatic about has to do with organ donors. I was just talking to Alex. I've been an organ donor since I've had a driver's license. And there are so many people waiting for organs that are going to die if they don't get organs. Right now, the list is 120,000 Americans waiting for a donated organ. In 2000, 149 uh, organ donors suffered from a fatal drug overdose. And then their organs were transferred, implanted, if you will, in uh, someone else. 149. In 2016, uh, those victims donated, not the same ones, obviously, donated 3,500 of these. And that is, maybe that's a small answer. The big answer for me is an easy one, is that a law is passed in which you are automatically a, an organ donor unless you opt out. Then we're done. Then no one waits for an organ anymore. Matter of fact, there'll be too many organs. They'll be selling organs on eBay. They have so many of them. But that's not happening anytime soon, if it ever does. So uh, there is a desperate wait for people and the heartbreaker is dying because there is a shortage of organs. So uh, what you have now, since this vast number of overdose victims now have organs that work. But as anything, there is a problem. There's good and bad. The best of all organs are that come from young people with head trauma. And these are kids who uh, have been unfortunately shot in the head or, uh, or blunt trauma uh, damage uh, where they die. 
or someone's taken off life support because of uh, the head injury. Because you have young people, you have healthy people. And so now let's move to people who die of uh, opiate deaths. Well, that's a mixed lot. Now, two-thirds are still young between the ages of 21 and 40. But here's the problem with uh, those young people. Because they are drug overdose victims, they're more likely to have infections like HIV, hepatitis B, or C, which means that those organs are not eligible to be transplanted because diseases pass through. Not as if you... you, uh, donate a kidney and uh if you're if you have hep c it's going or hep b as if it's going to disappear it's not and it's uh, it's everything's a mixed bag when it comes to this and i've always wondered except for very religious people and i sort of get that you know fundamental jews are uh in in that category you know dust to dust ashes to ashes and god forbid that an organ walks out the door or walks into the door of the o, uh, of the or and is transplanted into someone else. I think fundamental Muslims feel the same way, where you're not allowed to transplant organs. My philosophy has always been, you know what, so you're dead. You know, now what? You know, save a life if you can. So whether they get rid of the organs and they take straw and they throw it into your cavity, and so you get you pretend you're this, you know, the straw man. That was a reference to the Wizard of Oz, right? But... It's, I've never understood that philosophy where religious belief is more important than saving a life. Well, really? It's, that doesn't happen in this world, does it? Where you have the religious fanatics. But, you know, if, if nothing else, and maybe this is just uh, an excuse, this story is an excuse for me telling you, no, please, you know, consider being an organ donor. Truly, you're going to be dead. And do you think your family cares anyway? I mean, Really? So you have some stitches. You cover it up with clothes anyway. I mean, what do you care? But is it going to happen? I don't know. So at least the organ uh, donors have increased slightly because of the opiate uh, opiate epidemic. Is there a good side to uh, overdoses of opiates? I guess. I guess. All right, coming up, uh, the House Whisperer with uh, Dean Sharp. And today it's about glass, the future of residential architecture. And you can see the magic of glass in terms of your home. And that's coming right up. KFI AM 6. Here it is a Wednesday morning. Uh, the big stories that we're covering this morning is the crash. Well, not the crash, actually. Thank God it didn't crash. Uh, the 737 Southwest Airline flight where the engine blew up in midair and a woman was killed. And of course, Barbara Bush uh, died yesterday at the age of 92. Uh, flags all over the United States federal buildings going down a half mass per the order of the president right up until Saturday. All right, it is time for a segment with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Yes. Sponsored by Sunlux, the official solar company of you, Dean. Those guys are awesome. And and uh, my official solar company, although I wish I owned it, but it's not mine. It's my official solar company. I don't know why I said that. All right, for the best value in solar, dial pound 250 and just say Sunlux. All right, Dean, I guess uh, it's a segue to solar because there's so much solar involved with windows. 
True. All right. There is a lot of solar yeah, involved. Yeah, a lot. And so let's start talking about uh, there's a trend. It's a huge trend that's going on. Windows. Glass. Glass. So this week on the show, we it's just a full celebration of glass in residential construction because uh, it is the future. It, it really is. It really is the future of residential architecture. Glass is growing. Walls are shrink solid walls are shrinking. Open glass openings are just growing exponentially in size everywhere we can. And there's a number of reasons why. But it really is the next huge, huge trend. It started out this. First, uh, a few years back was the whole open concept thing. Right. Where we started revamping our old home layouts and opening up space. That morphed into uh, what is now just standard, which is the family room kitchen multi-purpose space. At the same time that was happening, people were were reviving their interest, especially here in Southern California, with outdoor living. And so we were building more and more beautiful, comfortable, extensive outdoor patio areas. So it was just a matter of time before those two trends, the kitchen family room complex and the outdoor family room and kitchen were joined together by eliminating the one chief barrier between the two, which is the walls and the small doors and or windows. And even the big slider doors now, they are going in what is becoming very quickly the standard, if you're going to do a major remodel like that, is to consider the glass wall All right uh, the glass wall so now talking about technology for a moment and I've, we've seen bits and pieces of this and it's pretty you know sci-fi at this moment one of the downsides and i see this all the time of our open we have a lot of glass that reaches out to our backyard and uh what we've done is we have these uh shutters which really cut out a lot of the glass and i wanted to just open it up completely get rid of the shutters uh the problem is is that it's wide open. Everybody can see in. Everybody can see out. Now, the technology of switching, uh, putting a, a plug in there that switches the way the glass works so it becomes opaque. Yes. Uh, how close is that? To, it's here. It's here. I mean, it's and, on the but, high end. It's here. But, but reasonably priced. Well, no, not yet. Not reasonably priced, yes. But this is what is exciting because when you enter my world of designing high-end residential Whenever these days we start readily using a technology, now it's just a, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking before it gets picked up in the upper middle class and the mainstream uh, residential. So I'm saying within the next five to ten years, it's going to be commonplace. You're going to you're going to go to a place like Home Depot and say, oh, uh, do these have the uh, dialing opacity uh, feature, which is basically a specialized kind of glass where we run a low voltage current through it. And you literally have dimmer control of the glass. It goes from privacy glass to completely clear glass at the touch of a button or the turn of a dial per your desire. So the only reason you would ever have uh, curtains uh, or shutters would simply be for the aesthetics. For the art. For the no, art of it. Nothing to do with privacy. The wind or, or a power failure. Uh, the, you know, the window. Actually, I, I even take that back because most of these, the default is opaque. So if uh, the idea of people thinking, well, I don't want to do that because what if, you know, the thief comes to my house and cuts the power on the house? Well, it's the current that's actually keeping them clear. So if you cut the current off, then they go opaque. So in a power failure, uh, privacy right. is the default. But not just that, but now we have uh, what we call uh, a dynamic tinting. 
Dynamic tinting is not the, the choice of total privacy or opacity, but it's the ability to change the tinting on the window so that if you've got like a southern facing door window and the sun is just, just pounding through in the middle of the day, you can get glass that either A, tints itself like a pair of self-tinting sunglasses uh, or uh, where you control the amount of uh, light that's now, coming through. How expensive are those? They're expensive as well. But they used to be, and understand when I say that, that right now they're pricey, they used to be completely out of reach for everybody except the most advanced, brand-new commercial building structures. Now, in commercial architecture, if this building that we're in was built today, it would very likely have self-dynamic tinting windows because it's such a major energy savings. When an entire side of the building is being blasted by sunlight, the amount of air conditioning and cooling that has to happen in order to compensate for that is way offset by the nominal cost uh, in those terms of spending extra for the windows that tint themselves and keep the cooling bills low. But it has blown open our ability to design trick stuff. And eventually, eventually, and it will not be long, like you said this morning, technology, we talk about it all the time. It is just changing at an exponential rate. It will not be long. So now we can design, in theory, entire media rooms. Think about this. An entire media room, a theater, home theater, which traditionally has to be a dark cave. An entire media room made out of glass that we have control of darkening down to 99.5% light emission into the room. And when we're not watching the movie, it's like a bright sunrise. And how far away are we from that? And, and reasonably I could priced. do I could do that right now on the high end. We're probably uh, eight to ten years away from that. Right. All right. When you come back, uh, finish it up more about glass because that seems to be the topic of the day. And, uh, and we'll talk about some real world examples of what everybody can put in their home right now. Love it. And okay. I have an update for you, Handel. The coffee machines and the water machine have at least made it to the freight elevator. I don't know if anything has been put in their spots, but the old ones are out. Wow. Okay, we're on our way. Breaking news. Is there a procession? There might be. Wayne was taking video and photos. Is there a dirge being played? (laughs) There might be. (laughs) All right, we'll be back uh, and finish it up with that. We need a shot of John holding the coffee machine up (laughs) over the valley. Yeah, Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. We'll be right back. KFI AM6. All right, KFI handle here on a Wednesday, April 18th, and it's time for, and we just do segment number two of the House Whisperer segment with Dean Sharp, who's heard 9 to 11 right here on Sunday, and let's go to it. Now, we're talking about Windows, so all I'm going to do is current real-world examples of the technology out there, what we're seeing in homes. And How gonna, glass has just... I'm just going to let you do it. Okay, so here we go. Number one, you may live in a one of these high fire areas in Southern California. You may want to consider retrofitting your windows this way. If you're building new, you have to do this now, and that is fire windows. Glass, regular uh, soda glass, uh, is very sensitive to being heated on one side and not on the other, and so a brush fire licks up against the side of the building, one of the ways that houses burn uh, is that the, gr- the windows crack and then the fire licks inside the window and so on. 
So now fire glass is required in Southern California in all of those situations. It's a tempered glass, and uh, it can get super, super hot and not crack and then keep the house protected. Uh, then uh, what, something that we just do all the time now. In fact, I don't even install the old ones anymore. Uh, shower enclosures inside a bathroom. Ultra clear, low iron glass. Now, not many people understand that clear glass is not as clear as you think it is. If you've ever seen a really thick piece of yeah, glass. It has that green. That green edge. Some people think that's paint on the edge of the glass. That's not. That's light refracting through it. It's because the iron content in normal glass actually gives a green tint to the glass. So they figured out a way of using 15% less iron. That's all it takes to get the glass completely sparkling clear. And f with all the money that you're going to spend on the tile work inside the shower, uh, this way, this glass costs about 30% more. Uh, this glass doesn't darken it at all. It and, you're not, I mean, and, and if you're talking about shower enclosures, uh, yeah. just the cost of the glass, that's not a whole lot of money. No, it's not. It's not when you're considering the overall remodel. Right. The so it's worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, low E coatings on glass. They're improving. I, I, I was trying to figure out this week uh, where are we at? Are we on generation 10, 11? The truth is it just keeps changing every year, every single year. The coatings on the outside of glass get better and better and better, and they do all sorts of things. They block out UV light. They keep sunlight from bleaching your floors and your furniture. They do a whole manner of things, including, and this is something that people are starting to request in residential applications that's been a, a part of commercial for a while now, signal damping glass. Everybody's worried these days about, oh, somebody's going right. to uh, hijack my Wi-Fi and the low-E coating on the outside of glass is a metal-based coating, and they can configure it in such a way that outside signals can't get in, inside signals can't get out. So, you're, so that you're done using your cell phones inside the house? Well, uh, you would use them through your Wi-Fi system in general, uh, and, the, the, and the signal can still go through your walls, but they won't go through the glass anymore, which used to be the most vulnerable uh, part of the whole thing. They can do tinting, like we said, privacy, media rooms, uh, a, a, a clear glass panel separating two rooms can become opaque and become an excellent projection screen surface uh, just by turning the dial. Oh, yeah. When we first uh, looked at us, uh, at, at our system, and it was, uh, it was just a fortune, so we blew it out of the water. And that was a projection from behind the right. glass exactly. that goes onto this window and the clarity is unbelievable because you're not talking about a reflection that comes back. No, we're talking about passivity of the light through it. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And when you're not using the projector, the the wall goes away. It just goes it goes transparent again. And now, and speaking of that, what we started the, the segment with, triple glazed windows and doors to create the glass wall outside of the kitchen, family room, out onto the porch. We're right. talking about openings now that can be. 15, so 16, 20 feet wide. That means you need that the glass is structure. The glass is very strong. It's tempered glass. It can be four, five, six so foot panels. So is it panels. considered part? Because right no, now. No, it's still not considered part of the structure. You still got to have a nice beefy beam up above that so you're keeping the pressure off. But the structural element of the glass allows these panels to get bigger and bigger and support themselves under their own weight. So you have a minimal amount of doors. And then those doors are either multi-tracked so that they all slide to one side. To say I have a 16-foot opening with four panels, you'll end up with 12 feet clear. Or 
if it's a bifold kind of accordion door situation, then they really clear out, and all you have is the thickness of uh, in width of uh, just four panels, which ends up being about nine inches that off goes to up. one side, and the rest of a six feet, so fifteen and a half feet, fifteen foot three inches, all clear. Boy, is it the technology is just exploding, isn't it? Is it, it is, in, and it's it, just changing the way we design and experience our homes. We're not afraid of nature anymore, so I we am. want to invite it in. Well, you are. I hate nature. Nature is not my friend. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Dean Sharp. Uh, thank you, sir. Every Sunday, 9 to 11 o'clock. Thanks, Dean, we'll talk again. And, oh, haven't talked to you for a while, Shannon. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How was uh, La La Land over there, Thailand? Uh, it was great. It was great, except I, uh, I had a little bit of a language problem. I kept meaning to say elephant, and I was actually saying F-U. It's a, a slight difference in the word. It's Chang or Chong. I just said F-U in Thai. Which is perfect. On the radio. I don't know if that's allowed. Um, but it's your show, no one, so yeah, I, don't I don't care. I don't care. You know what I mean? No one, I don't no do that under- crap between 10 and 2. Yeah, no one understands. Uh, uh, let's yeah. see. What do we have coming up? Southwest. I think Southwest is going to get a, an even bigger bump in popularity because of what happened on that plane. Because of the story of the pilot. Right. I love this story. Yeah. I love her story. Nobody wanted to have her in flight classes, and she... Uh, she persisted, she persisted, and now she's a, a hero. Pico Rivera, remember that teacher who railed against sure. the military? Well, he had a bunch of naked pictures on his work computer. That's not good. What are you doing over there? Uh, I have, well. What are you doing on that computer right I'm now? I'm looking at Barbara Bush, and if you think I'm looking at Barbara Bush, no, we're not going to go there. And incidentally, I know. I, I know, you're done, and I am. Incidentally, what are you doing over there? Come over here and look at this picture. Who am I looking at? Oh, that's terrible. Barbara, oh, come on. Barbara, it's a photo of, okay, now, uh, for the record, she is making an accusation that is not valid, it's not true. You have no case. That's true. Um, And then this last one, did you hear about the new research about bathing every day? They say, don't do it. You only shower once or twice a week. That's what the experts are telling you. I'm fine with that, because that's all I do anyway. Nope. That's crazy, isn't it? Yes. That's not a thing. <laughs> no. All right. A lot going on. Welcome back. Hey, thanks. Nice Good to, to be back. Nice to hear that. All right. That's coming up. Gary and Shannon. And that's happening right here at KFI, 640 AM. KFI. And KOST HD2. Los Angeles, Orange County. And I Radio Station.